This is the Working Drummer Podcast, featuring conversations with ground-level pros from all styles and regions. Real drummers with real stories about making a living in music. Hey everyone, welcome to Working Drummer Podcast. I'm Zach Albetta, and today I'm talking with Frank Zumo. Frank is the drummer for Some 41, has also performed with Cruella, Linkin Park, 30 Seconds to Mars, Chris Cornell, and many others, and has recently started releasing music under his own name. Frank is also the founder of Street Drum Corps and is an active educator and clinician. So I am back after taking over a month off from the podcast to deal with some family stuff, and I want to thank my co-host Matt Krause for once again holding it down and cranking out episodes every week during that time. If you see him around Nashville, buy him a drink. He deserves it. We would appreciate your support on Patreon. Go to patreon.com slash working drummer and a donation in any amount gets you access to exclusive content from our former guests. Think of this as professional development for drummers, all useful and actionable lessons for the working pro. We're populating new content regularly and as little as $1 a month gets you access to all of it. If Patreon isn't your thing, you can also make a one-time donation through PayPal. There are links for both on our homepage at workingdrummer.net. While you're there, you can learn more about this episode and check out our archive of over 300 episodes. Also, please subscribe to Working Drummer Podcast on your platform of choice. We're available on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, and YouTube. And be sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram. Lastly, however you listen, please leave us a rating and review. This helps new listeners find us. Please check out our latest Patreon content. Since a lot of us are doing more tracking lately, we're having some of our guests talk about a specific song they've tracked drums for and all the technical and creative aspects of that recording process. Great stuff there from Doan Perry, Joe Bergamini, Stephen Chopek, and most recently Chuck Palmer. So check that out. Again, that's patreon.com slash working drummer. I can see you when my eyes are closed. Never moving on, my hands are tied. Why you always on my, on my mind? Why you always on my, on my so Frank is one of these drummers that has never been just a sideman, and his ambition and imagination have resulted in him being at the helm of a multi-pronged, multidisciplinary career. So let's get to it with Frank Zumo. I'm really glad your your representation uh, reached out, um, and I want to talk about the fact that you have representation a, a little bit later. But um, you know, the the thing that they reached out about was this new project, this new single uh, that you did. Um, so mm -hmm. just talk a little bit about that. Um, you know, in addition to the project itself, I'm kind of curious about why uh, you, as a drummer, and why drummers in general. Uh, you know, feel the need to to do a, a project with their name on it like that, and there there are all kinds of reasons. I'm I'm wondering what yours are. Yeah, I mean, it's just kind of been you know, I started this journey um, maybe three years ago of just wanting to express myself, you know, and just kind of merge my love of rock and dance music together, and just kind of get outside of my comfort zone and, and just collaborate with so many amazing artists. I was touring the world with Cruella and Kezo and just, it was so amazing, you know, being part of this dance world community and, you know, kind of both of those artists were kind of doing the hybrid rock dance thing as well. And it was super inspiring. And I was just like, you know, at all these festivals and I'm like, there's, you know, DJs are mainly producers. They make these tracks, you know, they have a guest singer on them, you know, usually, and then they're just out performing them kind of, you know, in, in the DJ booth, they're just playing those, you know, tracks. And I was seeing what the reaction was by when these DJs started bringing live performers out and mm -hmm. just something about live drums, you know, it's dance music. It's all about the beat. So seeing, you know, how that was resonating with the audience I was just like, there's no reason why I can't do this. If someone can stand up there in a DJ booth and press buttons and jump up and down, like I'm 
hitting stuff and performing. There's no reason why I can't do this and then bring out guest singers and add all these production elements. So it was kind of more of like, you know, let me see if I could do this. Let me, you know, challenge myself. And, you know, it just all started kind of happening naturally. And, um, you know, it's come to the point now where especially I kind of like injected so much fuel into it when the pandemic happened, because I was a year into a some 41 world tour cycle and it abruptly ended. And I was right. just like, I can't just sit at home with the unknown because I'm going to lose my mind. Like I need to stay and get that creative energy out, you know, otherwise I'm going to lose my shit. So I was right. just like, what a great time to dive into this project, you know, and because it's hard with some 41, like I started it, but like, we're back out on the road and we're so busy. So here I was like, there's no excuses. And everybody I know is home, right. you know, and wants to make music <laughs> now. And also like we have technology now where it's like, we don't have to be in the same room. I can collaborate with people all over the world and, you know, there's no audio issues or, you know, it, we're able to see each other's computers and, and work creatively and it's not weird or awkward. So I just, I went deep, you know, and then it was just like, I started getting offered like streaming shows and I was just like, okay, like, I'm not going to do this, you know, on this. I'm not a singer songwriter. You don't want right. to watch me on the couch <laughs> and I'm not just going to play like in my little home office drum room because it's not exciting to me. So I was like, let me, cause everyone, everybody was kind of doing that when it was happening. So I was just like, yeah, I'm going to build my live show. I'm going to go give them this like, big production show so they're watching something exciting you know than me just sitting you know sitting in my drum room playing so it was fun to just kind of do all those different things and you know i kind of just like rallied my team and i was just like guys like you know we did before the pandemic we did have some record deals on the table for my solo stuff and they all went away yeah um with pandemic because everyone was just like we don't know if we're even gonna last and what's gonna happen and i was right. just like guys like here's a challenge. Let's try to get a record deal in this pandemic. And, you know, I had a relationship, uh, with Jaws who, you know, has this, this record label bite this. And I shared it with him and he was just like, his notes on everything and his vision for it was incredible and really helped me kind of hone it all in. And he was just like, I'm looking to pivot you know, and not just be a, a EDM only, you know, label and everything you're doing with rock and dance is like my favorite stuff. So we were able to put out an EP and then I was just so inspired from that. I wrote a ton of, of music and then we just said, let's, let's give these songs like super focused and let's release one song a month for six months. And kind of the song that you were given was the final song of that six Got it. Okay. songs that I put out. And that was like the one that was the most special that we saved kind of for the last release um, and did a music video for it and, and whatnot. So it was a really good note. Okay. Uh, so so let on. me, let me, let me stop you there. I, I, there's a bunch in there I want to unpack, but what you just mentioned sure. about like releasing one single per month, um, you know, how, like how to release music now, I think is a question that a lot of artists face um, whether to do like a traditional album of like 10 or 12 tracks or, uh, you know, an EP that's five or six all at once, or, uh, you know, partition them out one at a time or some combination thereof. So like, how did you, how did you determine how you were going to do that? Um, that was jaws. I thought I was making a record. I submitted <laughs> like 12 songs. Right. And he was just like, dude, he's like, you know, there's half of these songs are singles. And I feel like if we put out a record with people's bandwidth and all that, a lot of shit's going to get overshadowed. Yeah. So I would rather just pick the six singles and do one a month, build a campaign around it. So you have people's attention. They don't get lost. And, you know, I just, I, I trusted him. I went with him on it and it, it worked. It really worked. And like, but in the beginning, I had submitted like six songs and we picked three to be an EP, you know, and really strong and like, boom, put out an EP for the first round of releases last year. This year, we just said, let's do six singles. 
Um, and you know, it, it really works. So that was just under the guidance of, you know, the head of the label, which, you know, I trusted and he was absolutely right on that. Cool. Cool. And what's the name of the label again? Uh, bite this. <laughs> nice. Nice. <laughs> um, so earlier you mentioned like, you know, how <laughs> the, I think the, um, you know, the, the, the cliche, the, the unflattering cliche about EDM music is like, you go to a concert and it's little more than a person with some headphones and a laptop. Right. <laughs> and it's, you know, musically it, it's, it's whatever, but in terms of like a concert going experience, that's just, that's not a very dynamic experience. So like, I, I love the idea of, of, injecting like the EDM concert experience with the dynamic experience of like actually watching people play, especially a drummer. Um, so like, I don't know how, have you, have you gotten an opportunity to do this live coming out of the pandemic? Yeah, I just started, uh, I've done three solo shows in like the last two months, um, in, in the U S in East coast. And I actually just did Dallas. It was the biggest show, biggest, venue all that and like it's working you know which is which i knew i knew it would but like you know like i've i've mainly been part of that world accompanying like the djs right and i always knew like with keizo i helped him build the show we had a a band we had me on a drum kit and then like four percussionists wow um and it was just drum heavy. And I just saw how it was just people's faces were just fucking on floored watching <laughs> this, you know, and same thing with Corella. We had a guitar player and me and a lot of the shows like, you know, the festivals have come a long way. The whole stage is mainly just a giant DJ booth. Right. And like up high up in the air. So like, I kind of felt like I was just down by myself and they were up you know, way up in, you know, in the tower DJing. So it, you know, everyone's kind of like looking dead, you know, eye level at, at me. And I just knew like, and I could feel the energy. I knew it was working. And then like, you know, you know, I just went and did the show in Dallas like a week ago and, you know, I played a bunch of my solo shit and it all worked whether people knew it or not. And like, I've also learned a lot from the DJs. Like it's, it's all about like, just hook, 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 energy, energy. It's not yeah. like our traditional band where it's a full song, take a break, talk to the audience. Full song, like, it's just a different kind of, you know, it's just a fucking party. People want to rage. So right. it's like, I've learned that. And my set is like DJ style. It's just like hit, 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 build, 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 you know, all hype. And I'm like, I mean, like in a Sum 41, let's say our set, we're playing 12 to 14 songs in a DJ set. There's like 30 some odd songs because it's just all so quick. Wow. So I've learned a lot, you know, and like when I'm playing other people's music in my set, like I'm doing like all the crazy remixes, you know? So it's like, it's songs that you're familiar with, but it's like, I found these crazy remixes or, you know, I've mashed things up and whatnot. So it's just fun. I just kind of want to take people on a journey. And like, I've also like learned a lot too, because I'm not just sitting behind a drum kit. Like I'm, you know, I'm kind of like emceeing too. I'm running out on a mic and like doing things that, you know, we're out of my comfort zone, which now are like comfortable and fun jumping in the crowd, having another drum station, you know, at the front of the stage and it's evolving, you know, kind of as it goes. And it's given me a better idea of like how to build a new show for next year. Um, but it's, it's been so fun and it's also really cool to just like, you know, because I, you know, traditionally you're in bands and you're traveling with a whole, it's a big thing with so many moving parts and people, it's just kind of fun to just kind of like go out by myself and, and do this and just kind of like connect with the audience by myself and, and just kind of have a different, you know, it's just another way to express myself. Um, and especially it's been just such a life saver without the Sum 41 machine, you know, right for the past you know year and a half right and that's i mean it's a cool um idea of just the idea of a drummer going out on their own um because it's like it it's hard for a drummer to do that no matter what their genre is um but the idea of a drummer doing a solo show like you know we're you and i are close to the same age and we're of the generation that like you know a, a if you think of a drummer doing a solo show you think of terry bozio Right. Mm -hmm. And, and that's, that's just inconceivable to me on (laughs) a number of levels. Um, but aside from, you know, the, the 
composition and the drumming element of it, like Terry Bozio plays to a primarily drummer heavy audience, right? Whereas what you've devised, um, like I'm sure there's lots of drummers in your audience, but that's not the point, right? It's an EDM crowd. It's not a drumming crowd. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It's, it's just, you know, you're absolutely right. It's just, it's, it's, you know, yes, I do. I do workshops, you know, and, um, that's musicians and, you know, half percentage drummers. This is just, you know, it's some 41 fans, it's EDM fans, it's rock. It's, it's all of that, you know, emo fans, it's punk. It's just kind of all of that. And that's kind of just like, I spew all of that stuff out kind of in my own take, you know, on that. But like, I think it was just being inspired by, you know, guys like Tommy Lee. I mean, Tommy's drum solos were a fucking EDM party. You know, it was just like, <laughs> it was, it was visually stunning, sonically insane. And you felt like you were at a fucking rave, you yeah. know, like watching that stuff. And that stuff really had a big impression on me seeing like everyone's not going to the bathroom or to get a beer now they're staying to watch this. This is really entertaining. And then when he did like his methods of mayhem thing back in the day, I was like, he had this crazy drum world with him and Steven Perkins and just sonic insanity. Like that shit was really inspiring. And then I think just going to like the big underground massive, like dance clubs in New York city when I was like 17, 18, you know, being part of that culture. And I'm just like, it's all about the fucking beat. Right. Like it's, it's just, it's all about the beat. It's just such a thing. And you know, like what a great, that's, that's the coolest part of the whole thing is just like when you're playing these festivals and all that, it's like, everyone's moving because of the beat, you know, take that beat away. It's like, right. It's going to be a rough festival. You know, it's just, it's, it's, (laughs) it's just, it's pretty, it's pretty incredible. And it's just like, you know, why not? I mean, there's been a lot of people that, that did it. You know, there's a lot of drummers that have gone, gone out with DJs and, and toured and rocked arenas and, you know, Travis Barker's done it. You know, it's like, there's plenty of people doing it. And like, you know, even just like watching like the newer bands, like the 21 pilots, seeing like how Josh right. has made it a spectacle of the drums are in the audience. There's this, there's that, there's just so many things going on. You know, it's just, that's the shit that moves me. Like I, I love, just pocket moving people and then you know just making a spectacle of it you know and and there's many people that do it just even from behind their kit and you feel it in nosebleeds because it's just a presence like you know is what started it for me seeing you know tommy lee when i was five years old at my first concert i was in the nosebleeds and it resonated with me and made me want to do this for a career you went to a motley crew concert when you were five (laughs) Jesus. Dude, crazy. <laughs> Motley and Ozzy, that notorious fucking wow. tour. Wow, five years old. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> That's so great. So like you, you mentioned, um, you mentioned Tommy Lee, you mentioned Travis Barker, you know, when I watch you play, when I hear you play those, those guys make absolute sense as, you know, guys that made an impression on you. Um, uh, who, like who else in sort of in that vein is, is kind of on your, your Mount Rushmore I mean, you know, I think like, like Brad Wilk is, mm, yeah. is just so powerful and those records just changed my world, you know, and just, we played a ton of shows with Prophets of Rage and I got to like stand right there and watch him and it's just, he's so good, man. It's just, it's so powerful and feels so good. You know, like Chad Smith, same thing, yep. that, that yep. Blood Sugar Sex Magic record just changed my world. Um, Dave Grohl, like that songs for the death Queens of the stone age records. Like one of my favorite drumming, you know, recording things, Taylor Hawkins, um, you know, and like the new, the, the more newer school, like Eric Hernandez, you know, just these guys that are just pocket. Cause I grew up on funk and rock, Mm -hmm. you know, that was the record collection I got handed by my father. It was like James Brown, P funk, Sly and the family stone, ACDC queen, so it was just like this pocket feel good drumming that I'm so blessed that I was handed those records. And, you know, it just, it really changed my life in so many ways. It's just like that just feel good pocket group shit. It's yeah. just like the best, you yeah. know, it's like, yeah, I, I appreciate for sure. All the drummers that, you know, do the fireworks and, and all that stuff. It's just, that's not my, 
world. I didn't come from that world. And, you know, it's just, I don't, my bandwidth is just different. It's just different brain, different kind of, you Yeah, know. and with that style of drumming, like with, you know, with you and, and the other guys you mentioned, the, the fireworks doesn't come from, uh, you know, the the amount of notes you're playing or the crazy independence or the crazy chops or whatever. It's it's The fireworks is like, you know, just the sheer energy. I mean, it's almost literal fireworks, you know, um, playing, playing with that much energy, that much power, that much emotion. Um, like that's that, I think that's what translates to, um, you know, a lay audience, uh, more than, you know, the, the drumity drum drum chippity choppity shit like that stuff will translate. But when, when, when an audience, when someone who isn't a musician or a drummer just experiences like raw energy, raw emotion in that way, um, I think it translates. And you mentioned, um, like at an EDM concert, that's what it's about. It's about like the raw power and energy of the beat of the groove. Um, not really how many notes are in the groove. No, dude, you do that. You're losing the dance floor. You do that. They're gone. <laughs> right. They're fucking gone. That's it. You right. know, they're, they're high from, you know, that they're on and everything. Yeah. It's, it's, it's gone. You know, I mean, even, even in some 41, you know, when I do my drum solos, there's always, even when I'm doing the, you know, the finale and going nuts, like there's a pulse, there's always a four on the floor or something's, so the kids can have their, you know, keep moshing and doing, you know, stuff like it was a show. Like I definitely like, I always want people to know where the, where it is, you know, yeah. not just like, what the hell just, I'm so confused and you lose, you know, like you've seen that, you know, like yep. I, I just pay attention when you're at a festival and, you know, all of a sudden you got like, you know, a band will do some weird bridge or something. It's like, you lose the whole crowd of momentum. And it's like, I don't ever want to have that moment while I'm doing my, you know, my thing. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I just, I don't know. It's just important. I, 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 I don't know. It's just, it's just, it's just who I am and just kind of, it's just a natural thing that I don't really think about. Right. Um, right. You know, and it's like, even like a guy like, you know, quest love dude kicks there and hat fucking call it a day oh yeah you know it's like yeah that's it and you know nate smith uh recently did that thing with you know Fear fearless flyers when he took kick snare and hi-hat into fucking madison square garden <laughs> and slayed it just unreal yep. but yeah i mean it makes total sense where like you know your um if if your early listening life was defined by uh you know james brown and all that r&b stuff and then like as you started coming of age the tommy lee the travis barker the the uh the chad like all those guys that's where just the raw power and energy came in and and that's like those two things are what spoke to you those two things are what grabbed you and was like holy shit drums mm -hmm. are where it's at whereas with other drummers like you know different different things grab different drummers from an early age and they, they kind of follow that at first and whether or not that ends up being their path for the rest of their life. Like whatever first grabs you about the drums and about drummers and about drumming, um, I think tends to stick with you. Um, almost no matter what genres you might go through in, in your career path. So speaking of like all, all this energy, <laughs> I, I'm watching videos of you play and I'm like, Jesus Christ. It's like, I'm, I get exhausted. <laughs> it's just watching you because like you are a heavy hitter. You're an energetic player. There's speed, there's power. Um, I'm wondering like if you've bumped up against any physical issues, uh, in your playing career and for your fellow heavy hitters, uh, how have you dealt with them? Um, great question. You know, I think it was just like right kind of on the, the first tour cycle I did with some 41 on our 13 voices record. I was literally ping ponging between Cruella and some 41, like on days off, I was flying to a festival and, you know, it was, it was pretty brutal on um, the schedule. And 
I started having um, like fatigue in my shoulder Mm -hmm. and kind of that's like, you know, when I got introduced to cupping treatments and like crazy sports therapy treatments. And then like, I I just so happened to do a podcast uh, for Neil Strauss who did that, you know, Motley Crue dirt book. Mm -hmm. Um, and it was with Gabby Reese, who's, uh, Olympic volleyball, um, player. Oh, cool. And that changed my life. It was like literally talking to an athlete, just the light bulb went on. I was like, she's like, dude, you're an athlete. Yeah. And I was like, duh. Like I never, (laughs) I never thought about that. And basically they took me into their world with just this amazing coaches and, and athletes. And I changed everything and learned new techniques and just how to, you know, do different treatments and all that. My wife wound up going down a rabbit hole of supplements and vitamins and things that changed my life. So it's a, it's a full on like program I'm on daily. I train every fucking day, mm-hmm. you know, um, I do, you know, all the, you know, I took all the bad shit out of my, out of my life, like with touring and, you know, just as, as healthy as I could be and, you know, how I'm warming up, warming down what yeah, I'm putting yeah. in my body, you know, consulting with athletes, training with athletes, like just all of that. And, you know, knock on wood, that was really the only you know, issue that was, you know, a bit scary, you know, um, you know, that was, you know, it's not fun when you, you have an injury that you have to, you know, play through, but thank God I, I got, you know, I got on it in time and was able to work it out. And I do have, you know, great body work therapists that helped me, you know, to get tuned up, man, I got to just get tuned up, you know, as we go along and, you know, especially like, you know, in these times where I'm not touring, like usual, I've had to ramp up training and the, just the health stuff. And, you know, finally I'm in a situation now, like the room I'm in now, I finally have a proper drum room, which I hadn't had for 17 years of living in California. And I finally have now, um, which is, you know, uh, a game changer, um, because I can play drums every day. Now I can do pre-production before recording sessions or, you know, solo shows and, and, and all that. It's, it's been, it's been so amazing because, you know, I grew up in New York in a basement. I had my drum room. That was where (laughs) I basically lived. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, uh, it's been amazing to have that again. So it sounds like that shoulder issue, um, sort of, you know, tipped you off to like, Oh, I, I, I might break apart if I don't, <laughs> if I don't start treating my body better. And so like, since then, since, since you turned that corner, it sounds like you've been able to, uh, just avoid, um, sort of any further issues. I mean, I didn't, you, you didn't mention any others, um, that happened after that, but just sort of through, you know, training, body work, diet, like you said, tune ups, um, you've been, you've been able to avoid any other, uh, <laughs> any other drama. Yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's so important, man. It's like this, especially playing, you know, this kind of music at that speed that, I mean, and, you know, we go hard. I mean, yeah. it's just, it's, you have to play that music hard and the audience is going that hard and they're there to see a show. And it's just, it's just, it, I've just always been that way. It's just naturally how I, I express myself and play. It's just, right. that's just me. You know, it's just, but you know, it takes a lot. Like I had to really figure out like how to warm up before a show, you know, it, you know, I got to come on stage already loose. You know, I have a practice kit in the dressing room and, you know, I'm icing, you know, doing crazy ice baths and crazy heat sauna therapy and like all that shit, stretching, yeah. training, like it's, it's a whole fucking process before and after the show. Um, and it's, it's working and it's, you know, it's, it's awesome. And I've just had to stay on that program, which was a good test. Like my first show back a couple months ago was like the first, like, okay, this is a real show, real audience. We're going for it. And like, I was nervous. I'm like, shit, am I going to be gassed after the first song? Because you yeah. know, whatever, didn't even think about it. Got off stage, came in the dressing room. I was like, that was just like, I had, you know, hadn't missed a beat, which was a good test to just like staying on the training and just staying on this path, um, during this whole 
you know, time. Yeah. Um, it's definitely, you know, it's, it's, it's working. Was there anything about your playing, like anything that you were doing behind the kit specifically that like maybe you got away with 10 years ago, but like in this process of sort of being so much more aware of your body, um, you had to like fix or change or eliminate or, or any of that? Uh, definitely breathing. Like it's just, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's something, you know, we do to survive, but we don't think about. And, you know, with working with these athletes, I went on a retreat and actually like learned how to understand breathing. And, you know, I started doing this crazy pool training where you're doing everything you do on land with weights in the gym, but underwater in the wow. pool where you have to do breath holds and all this shit. Um, and that was, and having those coaches, cause think about it, like people go to the gym and you're doing a heavy workout and you fucking just tense up and you don't, you, you don't breathe. Right. So it's even harder. It's even harder. If you just freaking breathe, everything is easier. You know? And it's like, I learned how to same thing. We'd be in crazy fast parts where I'm on the edge of my seat, trying to get it out and not breathing, Yep. making it harder for myself. So I acknowledged that and worked on breath up, then learned how to do like breath holds in certain other parts, you know, and like all this, you know, things about like, Oh, before the show only nose breathe on a bike, you know, like one of those, you know, Peloton type bikes backstage for 20 minutes to oxygenate your system. So you have an easier time on stage, like just all this shit that I never knew that like these coaches taught me. And it's just, it's been a game changer. And like kind of the, the test I put against myself was like, I'm like, okay, cool. Like you guys figured out how to work out in the pool in water, I want to play drums on the bottom of your pool and see if it could work. And we filmed it from a music video and it totally worked. Like it was, <laughs> it was, and it sounds dope. It sounds like your drums are being like filtered and stuff. Like affecting. I'm surprised it sounds uh, like anything does like, so, like some sound actually comes off the drums underwater. Absolutely. And the hi-hat sounds so cool too. And that's like <laughs> totally filtered and tweaked out. Like, it, and playing the kick drum was totally natural and easy that the, the hitting, you know, the sticks felt like spaghetti. Sure. So you had to like, kind of like over, you know, anticipate and kind of over exaggerate to get them down because you're fighting like water, but visually it looked beautiful for the music video with the bubbles and like just all of that stuff. It was really visually cool. And like the funnest video shoot ever, just like you're in the pool, you know, on a beautiful sunny day, the crew was in the pool, like snorkels. I was stoked. It's like a really fun day, but that was like, cool because I didn't know if it was going to work. And I was just like, we didn't have a plan. So we just kind of showed up and hoped for the best. The only thing that we had to correct was the drums. When you throw them in the pool, like the kick drum, it doesn't sink the way it's played. It it went this way. (laughs) Right. And then like the snare drum and seat were rising up. So we had to put dumbbells inside the drums to keep them from, you know, flipping (laughs) That's wild. uh, and moving. Same thing. Like I had to hook one of, you know, one of my feet underneath um, a dumbbell. So I wouldn't rise up. Like it was things that I had to learn like on the fly, but it totally worked when we kind of tweak things. Wow. That's amazing. Um, I've in, in the last uh, six months or so, I've, I've become a disciple of uh, Dave Elich and just like his whole system of physical, wellness behind the kid and it sounds like there's quite a bit of overlap between you know what what you've discovered and what you're doing and and what he preaches um and yeah like you mentioned i mean elich uh you know we're we are athletes the thing one of the things that blew my mind one of the first things that elich told me in our lesson he was like the two things that can fuck up your body are repetitive motion and impact and drumming is both and for a drummer like you that's that's to the nth degree man like i'm you know i'm more of a you know jazz soul r&b dude and and um you know the motion that i use and the impact that i generate has fucked me up (laughs) in some ways so i can i can only imagine uh you know what you would be dealing with right now if it weren't for sort of your your uh enlightenment (laughs) as to taking care of well it's also because this is like a drummer you know, audience that, um, you know, will get it right away. Like I, when I was in high school, I went to Dom Famulero Mm -hmm. 
And basically he retaught me how to hold the sticks and hit. Mm. He taught me the Muller method, taught posture. I mean, everything. And without that, I'd probably be in way better shape than I, I was, you know, like he was like literally changed everything. And I think I have, I have more power because of that. Yeah. My hands are great. I also switched to a head drumsticks for the shock to my hands. They helped me come up with a drumstick that was the right balance for the speed, how hard I hit. Like, you know, I think between Dom and switching to a head drumsticks is a real reason that my hands and, and all that are, you know, in the shape they're in right now. Um, you know, Dom was, and, and he was somebody that I really needed. Um, at the time for just like motivation um Mm -hmm. because i was playing with a bunch of very negative drummers that were getting into my head it was the first time you know like i was kind of always the young guy who was was playing with the older players because i was just advanced you know and it was always like everybody was just oh you're the best you're great you're great and then i started playing in an electronic band with some very like berkeley musicians yeah And they fucking got in my head, man. And it was like, I, I, I almost didn't want to play drums. It was like, it was really fucked up. And I went to Dom and I was like, they're saying, dude, that I'm having tempo issues and my pocket and all this stuff. And Dom's like, didn't say anything. We did, you know, a couple of weeks of lessons. And he's like, no, you're fine. Your pocket's fine. Your, your tempo's fine. But we have to work on the way you're holding the sticks. We have to learn the molar. He's like, I want to send you to Al Miller to kick your ass in reading, you know, and like big band charts and things that were just outside of my world. Um, And then that also sent me on a journey to be like, you know what? I'm going to go to the Drummers Collective in Manhattan and I'm going to study with all these dudes and do everything that is so out of my comfort zone because I want to work as a drummer for the rest of my life. I'm not going to college. I'm going to go to drum school. So I studied with Bobby Sinabria, uh, Sinabria Afro-Cuban guy. Mm-hmm. Afro-Cuban, that's, that's another language to me. Yeah. Where I learned all this independence of playing, you know, right foot, left foot, right hand, left hand, and all different time signatures and learning all these insane bossa novas and all this shit that was just foreign to me. And he kicked my ass. Like, if I didn't show up knowing last week's lesson he was sending me home. Yeah. Like there was no messing around. And then I studied with this dude, Brad, who was a big Broadway drummer. Oh, Broadway sure. Yeah. Yeah. For reading. And like, you know, it, it was, it was really like that college education for me was better than me going to any college because it just well-rounded me. And then I started taking gigs on cruise ships and theme parks and doing shit that was just like so foreign. And I think all of that played a big part when I started street drum corps, because all of that stuff started coming out naturally. Mm-hmm. All these Latin licks and things, like in our own kind of punk rock industrial way, I started sneaking them in naturally. And the coolest part is like, because we have, you know, multiple drum troops out doing our shit. When it comes to those parts in the show that these guys have to learn, they always have the hardest part. And I'm like, yeah, because they didn't study with Bobby Sinabri and all this shit. So it's cool to see that, like, I was able to sneak that stuff in just naturally and, and you know, all that. So, you know, I think to sum up your question, I think that's like literally, you know, going to Dom earlier on and then now working with all these athletes is how I'm able to do what I do and just like staying healthy on the road, man. Like not, there's no more partying and just all of the, you know, stuff that I did when I was younger. I just took all that stuff out and it's about rest, you know, and just doing the best I can to, to give the audience the best show because they deserve it. They work their ass yeah. off to, to, to buy a ticket. They want to be entertained. They're going to escape reality for the night. And that's my job. They don't give a shit that, you know, I had a bumpy bus ride or a long flight and I'm tired or, you know, I'm dealing with some family issues like that shit. You leave in the dressing room, you go on stage and you, you entertain people. Yeah. And how you treat yourself on the road, like when you're on the road, there's, I mean, there's enough working against you physically already. And a million percent. if you compound that by like eating shitty food or drinking a ton or doing a bunch of drugs, if that's your thing, like I mean, I think, you know, if you're young, you can do it for a little while, but, but, you know, before, Mm -hmm. before too long, you're just going to be inoperable. (laughs) 
yeah, it's 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 going to self-destruct at some point and it's going to affect the gig. Yeah. You know, it's like that, you know, I, I've talked about it a bunch. It's like, you know, everybody always says like, oh, I need a drink before the show or, you know, some weed or whatever to take the edge off. And it's like, you know, I, I drank that Kool-Aid for a while. And then when I just stopped, I remember playing a massive EDM festival in Japan. And it was the first time I, you know, in a long time, I hadn't had a drink to like take the edge off. And Mm -hmm. I was like, this adrenaline was insane. Like, in nervous anxiety, the adrenaline on stage. I was like, why the hell was I taking this edge off? This is, this is like <laughs> the drug itself. This yeah, is incredible. Yeah. And it's like, you know, it's never, it's never been a thing, you know, ever again. And I was just like, you know, like it, it just, it was time to pivot in a new way. Yeah. You know, it's like, it's just, you know, it, it's, it's, I'm in a good place with all of that. I've noticed um, I've noticed the same thing on shows because like, you know, how how many of us just like have a beer before the gig backstage? Um and you know, like I I'm I'm not even talking about getting shit-faced before you go on stage. I'm talking no. about having a beer. And th- like I've done a bunch of gigs um especially since I've been sort of studying with Elitch um mm-hmm. where like I'm just hydrating before the gig. Like I'm not eating right before I play. Just like setting myself up. I mean, almost like I'm about to go work out, right? Um, Absolutely. And and just you know the <laughs> for someone who's accustomed to getting shit faced before a gig, I'm I'm sure the difference is huge. But even I, who would have a beer before a gig, like without that beer, mm-hmm. the the gig just goes so much better. My body isn't working against that sugar, against all those carbs. Um, it's it's you know it's able to just like produce what I want it to produce instead of having to waste energy processing what I just put in it, you know, now it can just put out stuff. Um, so man, this is a, this is a 40 something conversation if ever there was one, (laughs) but like, hopefully the younger, you know, the younger players will be inspired by this and to, you know, make changes as well. I go out and do these incredible motivational, you know, drum workshops where we basically took your traditional clinic and flipped it upside down and, and do them in rad fun places. Or I show up at school of rocks, which I wish there was school of rock around when I was coming up. Cause yeah. it's the most inspiring, amazing place to be in bands and play gigs and like learn that stuff at a young age. And like, I just tell the kids, I'm like, you, you know what a rock star is? A rock star is being healthy and, you know, playing a great show. That's being a rock star. Like I have so much respect for people that you hear that like, I've never had a, a drug or a drink in my life. And I'm like, you're a rock star. That's rap. Yeah. Like, you know, like I just talked to the kids about like, you know, how generally that's not, you know, people say, Oh, it's not cool. You got to do this. And it's like, no, you don't, you know? And it's like, I just like, I talk about it in a positive way and just lead by example. And it's just been really cool just seeing kids and it's also been like really cool to connect with kids and have kids feel comfortable to talk to me about anxiety depression mental health like and for me to be there for them to just have these conversations with because again i didn't have this stuff like i would go see you know a rad clinic when i was a kid at a drum shop and it was like play every note you could talk about those notes sign an autograph and they're out you know (laughs) and i was just like you know I go and play for like 15, 20 minutes and I'll, I'll play like, you know, a medley of, of kind of my solo stuff and some 41 stuff. And then it's like, give the kids a stage to do their thing, then talk to the kids and then answer their questions, hang with them and then end the show by jamming with the kids, which is the funnest part. We'll, we'll jam on, you know, whatever songs they know, or if they want to play some 41 songs and it's so fun and inspiring. And like, just to see some of the drummers that have already blown up that have been part of this with me and their kids. Like, I remember when I did House of Bands in Brooklyn a like, couple summers ago, Christina uh, Shiano opened for me. She was the local drummer. Mm-hmm. Now, Homegirl got 
million, you know, over a million subscribers on YouTube and is like crushing it. You know, uh, this little kid wrecker from Arizona and he's the host drummer for the kids tonight show. Now it's like, wow, it's so cool to see these kids that, being part of these events with me was like an inspiring moment for them. And they've gone on their journey to see, you know, literally overnight where they've, where they've gone. And I've had, you know, a little part of that is just what it's all about. Yeah. Well, I you think know, you, I do- you, you hooked them in the way that, you know, Tommy Lee hooked you. It was a different, it was a different sort of vehicle. It was a different venue. Um, but like you're, you know, that, that same, that same rush that you got from Tommy, like you're able to pay it forward to, you know, th- these kids are getting that rush from you now. That's so cool. It's, it's so important. It's so important because I just think like, you know, when I have this spotlight, use it for that, mm-hmm. you know, like I want to use it for that and give back, motivate, inspire, and like just you know, it's, these kids are the, the future of, of music and, you know, especially in these times, you know, they got robbed of, you know, a lot of life stuff. That's really important to kids, yeah. graduate proms and sports and all this stuff. And I'm just like, it's even more why I got to get out. And when I've gone out, when we're having these, these conversations about heavy stuff, I'm like, this is exactly why I'm here. And I'm glad that they can have, you know, somebody to talk to, you know, because it's just like, it's so important, you know? And it's like, I'm, I, I try to do like one or two of these a year. My first one workshop tour was in China. I went wow. to China and it was like, they have drum schools there that have like 200 kids. Jesus. It's insane. And it was just like, with, with them not even understanding what I was saying, I had to have a translator when I talked Mm -hmm. and all that. It was just so powerful. I'm like, I got to do this in America and I've been doing it, you know, since. Um, And it's been great to partner with rad companies to help me do them. So they're free for these kids. Um, And I just did one in May. I did like a little West Coast rip and it was awesome. And now I'm working on the next one for the new year to just kind of keep it going. And and it's just, it's been so fun just, and it's like, just such talented kids, you know, yeah, like my yeah. kids are enrolled in school of rock now. And it's just really cool to see what, what they're doing and just how inspiring it is now. Just all these alternative other avenues now for kids to, to do music and do school and all this stuff. Like, you know, it's, it's, it's re-inspiring for me because I didn't have those things. It was very sterile and unmotivating when I was coming up doing those things. It was like sit in this unmotivating back room of a drum shop, learn your rudiments, get out. You know, right. it's just like, <laughs> it just wasn't fun, you know, yeah. until I got older. Then I went to like a rock star drummer and got to go to his house and his rad drum room. And like, that was fun. Right. But yeah. Not in my early years. That was just this very like, you know, typical, you know, stuff that I don't even really think there's much of that anymore. That's very school of rock. And, yeah. I think, know, I mean, I teach, stuff. I teach at a place like that. Um, and, you know, I, th- I think that like the old school, <laughs> the old school method of teaching, you know, it took various forms, but I think, um, th- one of the benefits of it were, w- was that it kind of like it, it weeded out some kids who weren't really into it. You know, mm-hmm. like if you were into drums, like you were going to fucking play drums come hell or high water, then we, you know, we endured <laughs> the the boring lesson or the hard lesson or, you know, the guy kicking our ass or whatever it was. Yeah. Um, and uh, I don't know. I like it's, you know, drum lessons and music lessons in general are, are more of an activity for that's you know, that's open to a lot more kids now, which is a good thing. Um, but, uh, you know, the, the flip side of it is that not every kid who is enrolled in music lessons, like really wants to be there. (laughs) Um, yeah, I mean, and that's the thing, like this, I feel like the school of rocks, like every kid is pumped to be there because it's, it's a thing, but like, yeah, you're right. I taught at, at some music shop and back in the day and like, there was so many kids that their parents just wanted them, you know, it was an extra Christian you know, thing to take a thing. And they were just doing it for the parents. And it was just like, they just did not want to be there. And it was, it was, you know, it was a bummer to, you know, have to, you know, be part of that, um, you know, process. And you just try to break through. And sometimes you did. um, But it's just like, it's cool where all that is, is, you know, 
come now. And like, there's so many rad drum schools now and, and, and all that stuff. Like, it's definitely like the game has been stepped up in those departments for sure. You know, along, along the, the way here. I want to talk to you about your, your representation because, you know, in the course of, uh, scheduling this interview, um, I, th- I think I talked with like two or three or four, uh, you know, different humans who are <laughs> part of your team there. So like at what point in your career, um, did you say like, I no longer want to be my own marketing, scheduling, managing, <laughs> booking publicity mm-hmm. department? Um, and like, you know, what, what corner did you turn where you're like, I have to hire people and, and what benefit has, has come from that? Yeah. I mean, it's a great question. I, you know, I manage and do everything for street drum corps, you know, a company that I built, we had the biggest managers in the business representing us, you know, and it was just always hard for traditional management companies because we, we had so many moving parts and, um, I was just, I felt like I was always micromanaging them. And it got to a point where I was like, okay, I'm done performing with this. Like I'm better. Like I kind of did everything that my goal was in that troop. And I was like, I, my, I, I enjoy the business side of it. I think it'd be better for me to just run the company, you know? And I, and I love it. I love it. It's my company. I get to handle. That's like my day job. Um, and then as far as like my own stuff, you know, I always, the bands I was in just, you know, we had the, those bands managers and all that. Right. And kind of when I went on this solo journey, you know, I wanted to, it just kind of naturally happened. Like our, one of our Sum 41 managers, you know, I kind of shared the music with him and, and he loved it. And I was just like, I'd like help, like connecting with other songwriters or singers that I don't know. And like, you know, and and also it just came to a point too, where I think that like, you got to separate it artists and the business side, because it gets a little hard because you don't, you always want to be the artist and like kind of the good guy in a sense, like you don't want to have those awkward, you know, sometimes business hard decisions to have with, yeah, a promoter or this or that about, you know, the littlest thing to the biggest thing. And it's like, you know, they were just like, we want you to focus on being an artist and let us handle, you know, these things. And I'm still heavily involved. I still, you know, bring a lot of opportunities to the table and then kind of have them run with it and whatnot. But like, you know, especially like on this last single, I wanted to have, a PR firm helped me with, you know, I had kind of my like Rolodex of like, Hey, I know this outlet, this, and this, and, and I did that all. And it was great, but I'm like, I want to start reaching some other things and, and have some help. And it's okay to ask for help and to, you know, for me to focus more on the art, the songwriting, the, the live shows and all that. Mm -hmm. Um, so kind of, you know, my manager helped me put together the team of, you know, same thing, booking agents. I want to start, you know, playing festivals and touring this and all that. Yeah, and it's like, yeah. you know, I wanted to build a great team. Same thing. You needed a great attorney to do, you know, every single that comes out, there's contracts that go with it. There's yeah. songwriting splits with all the artists on the thing. It's like, you know, so I, I was able to build a team, but it like, it all happened naturally with just a lot of people within the family or people they worked with. Um, and it's great just having a, a, a an awesome team. And, you know, it's, there's a lot of people, there's a business manager who's got to do your taxes and do your payroll for all your commissions and, and all that stuff. Um, but like, it's, you know, I was self doing it or just like having managers of my bands have me, help me at that time. But like right. when I went full on with this and now that I'm doing all these workshop tours and, you know, working with companies and this and that, like it was, it was time to, bring in people to help. And it's, it's been amazing. It's just kind of all kind of naturally happened, you know, and like, even, you know, I've been out at these shows by myself, you know, using local crew because we're still kind of building it. Mm -hmm. And like the same thing, like, you know, I, I get to the venue and drums are done sound check. And like, you know, the promoter walks in and is like, we got to move your drums. And I have to sit there and have, you know, this awkward conversation 
as an artist with somebody about like placement of the drums when I should have like a production manager there dealing with that stuff before I'm even on site. So it's like, okay, got it. We need to have help and, you know, I need to travel with, you know, somebody now and, yeah. and whatnot. No, it just makes sense because it's just, it's, you know, I don't mind having those conversations, but it's just kind of weird when you're the artist you, know, you got to separate the two basically you can't wear all the hats right and, and know, i think for it's the same. sorry for for drummers especially um we don't we don't do very much of that at all like if you know if a if a, a front man or a front woman um or you know a singer songwriter is is part of a certain project that has that management apparatus and blah 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 and then they strike out on their own um you know, I think people like that are more accustomed to those kinds of conversations just because, you know, their job on stage is different from ours. Like they're the front man, right? We're the side man. So for, you know, for a side man to step out on their own, um, I think th- like those uh, those sorts of uh, parts of the business are even more foreign to a lot of us than they would be to other instrumentalists or singers. Um, at the beginning, like when you first decided to do this, was it sort of, um, uh, like an investment that you had to make up front to, to get some of these people on board, like in hopes that, you know, having the, you know, having those people on your team would kind of pay for itself in the long run? Yeah, I mean, I think everybody knew like, hey, this is like, you know, we're starting from scratch here. Like everybody, let's 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 grind together and grow together. And then we'll get it to a point where, you know, everybody in the team, it's, you know, it's working out for everybody. So, yeah, absolutely. Everybody was down to get dirty and help um, be part of it because they believed in it, which is the the biggest part. You know, you want your team to, to, you know absolutely believe in it. And, you know, it was also a lot for me to give, you know, people that responsibility because I'm such a control freak with like the business side, because I run my street drum corps and and all this stuff. Like I used to tour manage us on the road. And then it finally got to a point where we're doing really big tours and same thing. Management was like, dude, you have to be the artist. Like you can't be sitting there arguing with somebody about your guys, where's my rider. Right. And then it's like, Oh, you know, you don't want to be looked at in any negative way, even though it's not your fault and whatever, you just need to be the artist. So then we brought a tour manager out and then I was like secretly kind of like, I'd be in his ear, like, okay, we need this. You need to do that instead of me being that one. Yeah. But like, yeah, it was definitely like, you know, just tr- trust your team and let them do their thing. And we've gone through some team people already that, you know, it, it didn't work out or, you know, cause the, the biggest thing is like, they represent me, you know, and I don't, I can't stand it when, you know, uh, you're somewhere and they're like, Oh, that artist is an asshole. Why is that artist an asshole? It's like, they weren't even here, but they're, it's their team. Their team yep. was being, you know, whatever with the being rude to the venue people at sound check and demanding and not cool but it comes back on the artist yep. and the artist looks bad, even though they weren't in the fucking building. So I'm like, that's the thing. I don't ever want to have that negative backlash. So I got to make sure my crew, everybody is being respectful to my brand because it's what I've worked my whole life for. Right. And I don't want to have any negative, you know, backlash because of something my team does. And, yeah. you know, instances and things have happened here or there that we've had a, make changes and whatnot, things happen. But like, you know, and I've stepped up too. Like I've seen, I've been out with some artists and I've seen how their crew is handling people and this and that. And I've had to like call the artists and say, I know you don't know this stuff is going on, but like this is going on and it's a bad look on you. You oh, need wow. to intervene here. Yeah. And, it's, and it's like, I don't give a shit. Like I'm not a rat, you know, for doing that. I'm just <laughs> like, you know, at the end of the day, this, you know, these crew people probably won't even be on the next tour. You know how it goes. You change crew people, whatever. And then the artist still looks bad, you know? And it's like, you don't want that negative stuff when you have nothing to do with it. So it's like, it's very important to have a team that's on the same page and represents you and your brand to the fullest because you've worked your career to get this far and you don't want to have negative stuff because the way someone's treating people, you know? Yeah. Well, Man, again, thank you so much for for doing this. Um, thank your thank your people for reaching out. They've been great. Yeah, well. um, 
And uh, best of luck with this project, man. I, I, I neglected to ask, is this project under your your name? Does it have a different mm-hmm. name? So it's just... Yeah, it's just, just under me. And I'm, you know, I'm like just going for it now that I have all this music, you know, I'm focusing on live shows for the new year, um, continually writing and finishing other, other, you know, material, still collaborating with a ton of artists, you know, for features and, and this and that. Um, and just kind of just, I think it's just, just kind of how it's going to be now. It's just a very natural, fun thing. It's also opened up a lot of doors to work with artists and and all this you know amazing stuff so it's just going to be an ongoing thing um but like you know there's been so much writing and recording because of no, no shows now that shows are back right i'm just so fired up to play live and connect with people again live and um it's been just really great playing these songs live and seeing how they're translating and, yeah and all that it, really it seems fun. it seems like you know through through a lot of work and a lot of imagination you've set yourself up to to go high and far with this thing so so best of luck to it man thanks brother there you go frank zumo very busy energetic motivated dude great drummer fun talking with him next week matthew kraus will be interviewing joe gilder producer songwriter and creator of the youtube channel home studio corner so that's sure to be an enlightening convo covering all things recording and audio hope you check that out until then stay safe and thanks for listening cheers cheers